Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and technology and media, teams, all kinds of stuff. I'm Joe Favorito. Sitting in right now for the horse, Scott Rosner, is LJ Holmgren. Welcome, LJ. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having us today. Cool. And once again, we are here on Radio Row, um, just before the Super Bowl, but also just before the kickoff, literally, of another football property, the XFL. And joining us is Oliver Luck, the commissioner and CEO of the XFL. Oliver, thanks for joining us on the Cusp Show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, a couple questions. Um, the biggest business challenge that you guys have answered so far, and the biggest surprise you've gotten as you get closer to launch at the beginning of February. So, I would say there are two big challenges from the business side that we had to deal with. One is going to be incredibly boring and it's workers comp. Yep, sure. <laughs> and you don't think about that when you start sports leagues up, but in a, in a sport like football, workers comp is very important. We're not unionized at this point, so our players are all employees, uh, but given the injury rates in football, etc., you know, workers comp is a very, very important factor. And uh, in fact, Vince McMahon, our owner, I began the process of figuring out workers' comp and the overall insurance scheme, if you will, long before I arrived. I've been uh, working now for the XFL for uh, almost two years. Vince started probably two and a half years ago uh, working with a number of consultants to try to figure out what the best workers' comp system is. So that was a success. And I'll show you how important that is. You may remember, Joe, uh, during the AAF, the Alliance of American mm -hmm. Football, uh, they had a team in Florida. Florida does not offer workers' comp for professional athletes. And the AAF folks didn't realize that until too late. So their team in Orlando had to live in Jacksonville and train across the border every day in the state of Georgia. That's cumbersome yeah. <laughs> and doesn't go a long way in instilling confidence in you know the management of a league. It's so, not like crossing the George Washington Bridge. Actually, <laughs> so uh, that, that, was a, that was a challenge for us, and we, I think, successfully completed that. And I think the other you know, successful thing we've done business-wise is bring on uh, two great broadcasters. Hmm. Right, Fox and Disney. Disney, of course, the owner of, of uh, ABC and ESPN, and you know that's critical because uh, t the, the television product is, is important to any sports league, and bringing on broadcasters like that with the reach that they have, with the power that they have, and not just you know the television broadcast itself, but all the ancillary organizations. I mean, we've been on on ESPN shows, whether it's First Take or you name it, what they're all I don't even know what they're all called. Uh, so those two uh, ch business challenges were very, very significant, and, and we I think we've done a pretty good job in the last year and a half of, of you know, putting those to bed and being able to focus on the other business challenges which exist. Chris Comping one. What's the other one? Uh, the other one was really uh, the, the, the television broadcast challenge. So yeah. we uh, were able to uh, develop relationships and spend a lot of time working with them, and then we're able to, you know, finalized deals with two of America's, uh, actually the world's biggest media companies, uh, Fox and uh, Disney, which of course owns ABC and ESPN. That's that's crucial, not just for the broadcast themselves. Both companies will produce the games that they show, and they produce great football, whether it's college or, or NFL. Uh, but it's also, I think, critical because of all the ancillary opportunities that flow down from companies like Fox and, and like Disney. So we've been on all the ESPN shows and the Fox shows on, on you know, Colin Cowherd and others. And that's all about sort of promoting the game and, and helping us uh, build our audience. So those were, I think, uh, two of the biggest challenges we had. And 
knock on wood, we've been able to navigate those successfully. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the rules and speed of play. We know that your style and your rules will put pressure on the defense, but allow for more exciting offense. Can and tell us quickly, too. Yeah, can you share <laughs> a little bit more about that? Yes. Our uh, most important difference that we have with the National Football League is our 25-second play clock, right? So you, that means you got to call a play and execute it in 25 seconds. The NFL is 40. So that's a significant difference. So, you know, as you think about our game, what you'll see is a real fast, up-tempo pace. Teams won't huddle. Uh, the offensive play caller is communicating not just with the quarterback like the NFL does, but with all offensive skill players on the field. So we don't need to huddle. We can just line up and run in, uh, our plays. So that that's very important. We have about a dozen innovations. We've got a different uh, punt. It's not that different. Our gunners don't leave at the snap. They leave when the ball is kicked. That gives the punt returner an extra two minutes, uh, two minutes, he wishes, <laughs> two seconds or so, you know, to catch the ball and make a move and return that kick. Fans have told us they want more, more punt returns because it's a great play. It's also a little bit safer. We'll avoid that big blow-up hit when the punt returner is about to catch the ball and the guy, you know, takes him out. And that's a hit where we all cringe because it's, it's, it's bad for, for the health and safety of players. We've got a different kickoff that we think is safer. Our overtime is a little bit different. It sort of resembles a hockey shootout. No kicking involved, but, you know, the 22 players that got the game into overtime on each team, they're the ones who will decide the overtime. Uh, we have a different extra point scheme. So you score a touchdown, get six points. Okay, we get that. But then you have a one-point, a two-point, and a three-point option. All plays from scrimmage, no kicking in the extra points. We think that adds a lot of strategy to the game. And what do we as fans like about football? We like to second-guess a coach and third-guess a coach. And so we think that adding more strategy will kind of give more opportunities for coaches uh, to do things and be a little bit different when you score in the first quarter. You go for one, play it safe. You roll the dice and go for three, who knows? We'll see what, what they come up with. But it's a chance for fans to think along with the coach. And I, I've always liked that part of football. Did the coaches have input into the rules? Uh, they did. Uh, the coaches had input in the rules for one major reason, which is we're counting on them to implement them. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure that they understood the underlying rationale, that they believed in them. Um, you know, During the course of some of our summer uh, work, we changed the rules. This is long after our coaches got on board. One of the things, for example, that we had thought about doing was the halo rule in the punt, which is what the CFL does. So imagine... You're, you're catching a punt, and you can, nobody can get closer than five yards to that punter. I mean, sorry, to the punt returner. And we recognize, along with our coaches, that that's very hard to teach. It's hard to referee, and was just not sort of workable, if you will, for a U.S. football league. So we dropped it. Uh, we tried to be as pragmatic as we could. But, yes, we did uh, give our coaches every opportunity to weigh in. Mm -hmm. You look at the franchises. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how the cities were picked? But also, you've got a pretty interesting group of diverse heads heading some of the teams. Um, how has that played out? Especially some of them didn't have the, that experience before, but first the, the people who are running the teams and then also the cities that were selected. Sure. So uh, the folks we have running the teams, I think, is a, is a really good, diverse group of, of, of very talented sports executives. You've got uh, folks who've worked for uh, professional soccer like Ryan Gustafson up in Seattle, and he's doing a great job of selling tickets. He worked for the Seattle Sounders and spent most of his uh, adult life trying to fill up uh, CenturyLink Field with as many soccer fans as possible. In L.A., uh, Heather Carrots is our team president. She's a lawyer and was the general counsel for LAFC, which launched, of course, very successfully 
in, uh, in, in, in Southern California, in L.A. Uh, in Houston, you've got Brian Michael Cooper, who's a lawyer as well. Uh, he worked for the Rockets as general counsel and was also uh, the guy who ran their G League team down in the Rio Grande Valley. So he's got experience managing teams and managing coaches. Up in Dallas, Grady Raskin, a longtime sports executive, mostly in hockey, uh, with the Dallas Stars. Uh, we've got Kurt Hunsaker in, uh, the, uh, in, C- in St. Louis, the Battle Hawks. He worked forever. Uh, it seems like for minor league baseball, which is a great training ground for sports executives. Uh, very similar situation down in uh, in Tampa Bay with a former sports executive who is a hockey guy. Uh, so it, it's a variety of, of guys have women working uh, in New York as well as in L.A., have uh, a number of African-American team presidents. So we really wanted to make sure we had a diverse group. Can you tell me any differences between selling some of the small market teams versus the large market teams? You know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I can point to anything in, in particular. Uh, St. Louis is doing very well with season tickets, and, and, you know, there's just a lot of support there. That's an interesting dynamic in that city because, you know, they lost two NFL teams. Mm-hmm. People talk about the Rams leaving, of course, which they did, but they forget that the Cardinals left and, you know, went down to Arizona. That's the smallest of our markets, but uh, it's, it's, it's going, you know, gangbusters in terms of the support of the local media and support of the fans. Uh, you know, it's probably a little bit harder in some of the larger markets, New York, L.A., just because of the clutter that you have and the, the sheer number of you know, professional sports teams that are in those markets. But there's real value in being, obviously, in New York in, in, and in L.A. Seattle's doing well. Uh, Texans love football, right? So I think both Houston and Dallas will be good markets for us. Floridians love football. I think Tampa will be a pretty good market for us. D.C. is interesting. You know, it's the smallest of our stadiums. It's an MLS building, and I think we can, you know, do a pretty good job of filling it. Uh, there's, you know, uh, it's a great sports town, and, you know, they've had a, you know, a love-hate relationship with the Redskins over the years, mostly hate the last couple of years. Not a lot of love, but, of course, they've got a new regime coming in in Washington. So that's going to be an interesting place as well. That's our first game on, on February 8th, 2 p.m., live on ABC. Uh, so I think we'll do fairly well there. We also got a great coach in Pep Hamilton who is a graduate of Howard University, has a lot of ties mm-hmm. to that city. And lastly, Oliver, what, what kind of advice is now being at a startup? Uh, we have a lot of people who listen in who are looking to be entrepreneurial or just getting involved in business or changing their careers. What advice do you give people given all the, the experience that you've had and now being at a startup? Again, so... Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm addicted to startups. I, I really enjoy them. Um, I think you've got to you know, think quickly, move quickly. You have to be decisive. You've got to be aggressive. And you can't manage every detail. You've got to prioritize. And that's, for me, the funnest part, right? What's really important, forget about the other stuff. It'll figure itself out. And uh, I, how do you prepare for that? I really don't know. <laughs> Good answer. You know, no, seriously, part, part of me thinks that, you know, having, heard, I really don't know and make it up. <laughs> yeah. so. But I really think in a way, you know, having played team sports and particularly yep. playing football and in particular, particular playing quarterback, you know, you have to make decisions, right? Every darn play. In fact, there's something called decision fatigue mm-hmm. that a lot of quarterbacks face if they're throwing the ball 60 times a game because you got to make so many decisions. But I think that's helpful to know you got a clock. You've got to make a decision. You got to make a call. If you don't, you're not going to make all the right moves. But if you make 70 or 80 percent of the right moves, 
then you're going to you know come out ahead. So you know, be aggressive, be decisive. Don't ever look back. You know, I, I truly believe Satchel Paige when he said, "Don't mm. look back." Um, uh, but learn a little bit from your mistakes, right? Yep. Don't don't be blockheaded and stupid, and be be prepared and honest enough to say, "Yeah, we made a mistake, and let's not do that again." Uh, so that's all part of sort of the skill set that you bring to the table. And I guess the final thing I would say is it's okay to roll the dice a little bit. I had uh, a number of people when I went over to Europe to, to run uh, one of the NFL Europe teams say, why, why are you going over to Europe? That can't last. And, of course, I was there for 10 years, learned a lot. Oliver Luck, Commissioner of the XFL, thanks for joining us on the Cusp Show. Once again, this has been the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Favorito along with LJ Holmgren here at the Super Bowl. We'll see you down the road.